0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game, while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of harvesting nature. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Harvesting Nature Wild Fishing Game podcast. Uh, you got Justin Townsend here, editor in chief over at Harvesting Nature, and uh, today got a. A cool guest, which I'm going to introduce in just a minute. But uh, first, got to get a little, little business out of the way. So what we have going on is right now we're a couple days into our wild fishing game cook-off photo contest. So we did open up entries on Monday the 24th, and the entry going to go until the 31st of August. So you can click the link that will be here in the show notes. And you can click a link. It's in social media and go to it and you can enter your picture into the contest. And what we are going to do after that, we're going to select the 16 top photos. So our favorites. So we're going to be a little biased because, I mean, it's our contest. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to put them head to head starting on September 1st. Uh, two photos released each day on social media with a link to vote. And you're going to vote for your favorite. And we're going to do it March Madness style elimination all the way down until we have two winners so the first and second place as you will see from uh, the link when you click it first place is going to get a Weston meat slicer with an extra blade a and a signed copy of eat wild game uh, along with maybe some other swag and then the second place the runner-up is going to receive a eat wild game t-shirt and a signed copy of eat wild game the cookbook so uh go ahead click the link in the show notes so you can go get your entry in if you haven't uh there is one entry per person you'll you can read through the rules and whatnot but we're really excited to see the creativity of of the listeners out there and and the followers of the website because i know you guys love wild game and fish as much as we do so excited to see that and, uh, fortunately for us, after the last couple episodes, we haven't been sending any updates or corrections, so I can skip that part. Very nice. Um, <laughs> so it's a good track record, I guess. But let me go ahead and introduce our our guest today. So I'm really excited uh, to introduce Josh, uh, who a long time ago in a land far, far away, uh, wrote a couple articles for Harvest in Nature and, and has since then gone on to, uh, Grow his own brand, and uh pretty excited to do s- learn about that. And also, he, he cranked out a cookbook too. Or I'm sorry, not a cookbook, a uh, a r- normal non-cooking book. Uh, <laughs> Becoming a backpack hunter: A beginner's guide to hunting in the backcountry. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could you could cook up some skills uh, in that book. I, there you go. I guess no, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you trying to you got it nice recovery
2: <laughs> yeah yeah smooth so without
1: further ado i introduce josh go ahead man
2: yeah what's up guys yeah josh kirchner um stoked to be here i glad am um, happy to chat with you guys today thanks for having me on
1: yeah absolutely man yeah. it's our pleasure and uh i got two other fellow Harvested nature fellows with us
3: <laughs> hey everybody this is colin uh, community manager
4: how's it going everybody dan renna harvest nature managing editor
1: nice all right well now that we got that out of the way you know who you're listening to so that's the important part so uh josh you want to tell everybody kind of where you're from and a little bit about your your backgrounds um both growing up in in arizona and then uh also as as a hunter
2: yeah yeah sure man so um Lived down here in Arizona, down in cactus country. Um, I've lived here, so I'm 30. Goodness gracious, you can't make me think how old I am. Uh, I'm 34, 33, I think. My wife keeps track of my age for me. I do that um, too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> um, I've lived in Arizona since I was eight. So... Um, got here in an early age. My dad, uh, you know, like a lot of kids out there, um, I was fortunate to have a dad that brought me up in the outdoors, you know, fishing and and hunting and everything. Um, The first eight years of my life, I was in New York. So I didn't know anything about hunting. It was it was like this thing that I only saw in magazines. (laughs) Um, And then uh, when I was eight, we moved out to Arizona because my mom has family out here. And uh, we've been here ever since and went on my first deer hunt. Uh, when I was nine, and um, that was just kind of life changing for me. You know what I mean? That was the first time I ever camped, slept outside, first time I ever saw a deer. Um, I remember, so, like, I heard an elk came through the camp in the middle of the night, and that was like pretty heart pumping for me, <laughs> like, as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, But then, uh, yeah, so ever since then, uh, every year, you know, hunting for me was this thing, uh, this annual thing I did with my dad and that's pretty much as far as it went. Um, and then when I got in my mid twenties, I I was really like, man, dude, I, I, I don't know what happened. I just really, um, hunting really intrigued me and I just really wanted to learn more about it and really dive like head first into the whole world of hunting and really, really learn more about it. Um. And then through that, through that kind of journey, I decided to uh, start a blog to kind of document my, uh, kind of path as a hunter, you know, just like kind of showing people everything, you know, like all the failures and the, the successes and the little nuggets of information I'd get through the years and stuff. And just, and it, and the re- one of the biggest reasons I did that was because, uh, you know, growing up watching hunting shows it was pretty misleading. I I mean, I, I love those shows and stuff. I I really do. Uh, They have a, they have a place in my heart as a child, but, um, you know, you watch a 24 minute hunting show and you'll see four or five deer die. And, Mm. and that is just not like, that is not realistic. You know, I mean, you know, you're in the industry, you know why that has to happen. Okay. Like they only have a certain amount of time to make a show and they got to mm-hmm. make it action packed. Right. But when you're a kid and you're like, oh man, I just want to go hunting and shoot a deer. And you go out there and you're like, oh, you go, I don't see a deer for three days. You're like, what am <laughs> I doing? You know what I mean? I'm not the worst hunter on the world or what? Yeah. Um, so that's part of the reason I wanted to do that. The blog thing was because I just wanted to, I just wanted to be real with people and, and let them know, Hey man, you know, if you go out there and you have a tough hunt, Hey, me too. It's normal. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like humanize it a little more, uh, than it, than it was. And, um, yeah. So as I sit here today, I, I'm fortunate to do, uh, uh, quite a bit of freelance writing in the outdoor industry. Um, I work with a lot of cool companies and, uh, yeah, I got to pinch myself sometimes. It's pretty, pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's been a, t- a topic a couple times on, on this show is just like, the the unrealistic expectations that we sort of grown up with and and how it's it's been neat to see a lot of people sort of of our generation and and maybe a generation ahead of us too just kind of to recharacterize hunting and fishing like we've changed it from not about you know the expectation of like oh you go out and kill you go out and kill you go out and shoot you know whatever it's it's now people have told more the story the struggle you know the preparation like mm-hmm. you're doing the learning, and then you know also the failure, like
2: yeah. yeah but it, yeah. it's
1: it's painted in in more of a realistic way that it's like, oh okay, well yeah, I I agree with that. I relate to that, and and I think that's while success is hugely encouraging for people to get out in the field, I think the reality of failure and seeing that others aren't always knocking them dead is is also comforting in that regard too
2: yeah no absolutely i think um you know it's interesting when you look back on the past and how things used to be where like i remember hearing about you know opening day like a good day you know somebody went out and they shot a deer on opening day and they're like yes i'm done Mm -hmm. but now but nowadays um it's quite the opposite. You know, you hear guys talking about, you know, guys or gals talking about, oh, I, I hope I shoot a deer on the 10th day, mm-hmm. on, the, on the very last day. And that's it. That's intrigued. Like that kind of, it makes me smile a little bit. Right. Cause like. I'm getting I think, the
4: full experience out yeah, of it.
2: Yeah. I think really what's going on is, is hunting today, like that living that wildlife is so far removed from our life today, our normal lives today. Whereas back, back a while ago, it wasn't that far removed. Mm -hmm. Right. It was, it was somewhat normal. You know, you hear about like, oh yeah, kids in school, like getting like the day off for opening day. That is not happening today. You know, (laughs) not, not anywhere around me at least. I
3: think it still happens in Pennsylvania actually. It does. Good good on them.
4: (laughs) They're holding true. (laughs) I I would become mysteriously sick. About four or five times a year. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. I, I'm we with you. we
1: always got that week off. It was like uh, they were like it's the harvest week, and I was like, yeah, yeah. what are they? What are they harvesting? <laughs> I don't think people are are uh, cutting hay or they're you know pulling vegetables yeah. and stuff getting ready for Thanksgiving that week. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's um. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see. And I, I think another thing that crossed my mind is, is we were just talking about that is like travel. Now you look at a lot of people and it's just like, you know, growing up as a kid, it's like, Oh, you know, you hunt, you know, maybe somebody hunted archery season, maybe black powder. And then of course, everybody wanted to hunt the week of rifle. Mm-hmm. And then that was just kind of it. You're like, all right, I'm done. You know, maybe I'll go hunt some duck. Maybe I'll spring Turkey, like whatever. And now it's like, you look at the you know, and this may be a lot, the circles that I run into is just that people were like, all right, uh, I'm going to hunt in Texas a little bit. And then, you know, I'm going to take a month, you know, in this month I may take a couple days and do a six hour drive and, you know, hunt Oklahoma. And then maybe I'll hit pheasants in Kansas and just kind of like, Oh yeah. It, people are more mobile. And I, I think as, as travel has eased and become easier, Uh, more people are moving around and hunting in other places where, you know, I think growing up as a kid, I remember my uncle went to Colorado once and it Mm -hmm. was like the trip of a lifetime. And it's just like, I, I would go to Colorado twice a year if I had the opportunity, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think for some folks, um, you know, I I feel like hunters oftentimes get like caught up in our own little bubbles and we don't really, we kind of shut out the the outside world. Right. So like for us, (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm going to drive 15 hours to go backpack into some god awful country, you know, and live in the dirt for, for seven days. Right. Like, like, I want to go do that. But um, in the past, it was like, you know, like, like that's that wasn't even in the cards at all. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But but and I but I think, you know, what you said about like it's a tri- triple trip of a lifetime. I think that those tr- those that's still very true. I think that's mm-hmm. a valid thing. I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they dream about driving across country and doing this Western, you know, crazy elk hunt in Colorado or Idaho or something like that, um, because it isn't part of their normal, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if so, for for all you guys, that that is part of your normal, you know. But there is people out there that are that are just they're not they're not in that circle, you know. They want to be. And, and for them, it's like this really big thing. And I think that's awesome.
4: I would be Um, one of those wannabes for the elk hunting, by the way, do it, do it, man, (laughs) (laughs) do it.
1: Me too. Um, at least for elk. Yep.
4: Yeah, no, that would be that. that's on the list. But
1: I, I think to sort of tie that into the root of our conversation, then enter you know, enter individuals like Josh, interven inter individuals like Justin who are like, Hey, I too need to try to figure this out, but I want everybody else to learn from it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the writing that you've done and, you know, the experiences that you've shared have I'm sure introduced many people into uh, into something they would otherwise be very uncomfortable with.
2: Yeah, it's it's um that is one of the most gratifying things about what i do is when i get you know like random emails or messages on social mm-hmm. media from people that are like oh man you know i really want to do this this year can can you help me out at all and i'm happy to talk to people you know i like it like someone wants to go hunt bears in this area or or elk in colorado or whatever i'll talk to them. for you know i'll, I'll write them a book on <laughs> social media you know you know um mm-hmm. because i was there I, it's hard to find information. Um, I might not tell you the exact canyon to go into to go find the elk, but I'm, I, I'd be happy to share like tactics and stuff like that. You know, that I'm happy to do that stuff. So when I, when I see that, it, it just brings a smile to my face because there is, there, there's a, there's a huge difference. There's a lot of people out there that like the idea of adventure hunting, but what's different is actually pulling the trigger and mm-hmm. making it and making it happen right? Those people, when they actually do that, I, I like at that point, it, it doesn't even matter if they killed something, they just, they're going to walk away from that hunt, like feeling very accomplished, you know, cause they just, they, they took themselves completely out of their comfort zone, which I think is awesome. You know, that, oh, yeah. that that's, that's like, there's value there.
1: I right, I agree 100%. And, uh, I, I had a, a moment very similar to that the other day. It wasn't Quite the same with someone venturing off into backcountry hunting, but we've been we've been putting out a lot of articles about getting kids into hunting, and you know, uh, Corey's walking his uh, his daughter, prepping her for squirrel season in Pennsylvania, and I've been working with my daughter for for small game season coming up in the spring. And it's just like, I had one of my old work colleagues that I knew from, oh gosh, it's probably been six or seven years ago now. She reached out to me and she's like, hey, I really love seeing your stuff on social media and reading the articles. She goes, you motivated me to go take hunter safety course so that I can go out hunting with my two boys. Because nice. I saw the I, I saw the memories you're sharing with your kids, and I'm just like I, I want to I want don't want to miss on that opportunity with my two sons. And her that's- sons are both like I think six or seven, and then a uh, slightly younger. But I was like, man, yeah, I was like that. That's a that's a moment like I it pushes me through the next six months.
2: You know, yeah. Heck yeah, dude! That's super cool. They, you know, that's and that's, that's kind of like lost art, right? Um, you know, uh, parents bringing their kids up in the outdoors. It's it's something that is becoming more rare as the years go on. So, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot more. I'm I, I'm sure you've 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 noticed this, but uh, these days, in my opinion, at least, there's a lot more adult onset hunters.
4: Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. you know,
2: so it's like so it's like there's two things, right? You got like parents not yeah, a lot of parents not bringing their kids up in the outdoors. Um, but then there's, there's still this like urge for people to, to get out and hunt. And they figure that out later in life, which I think I like, I feel like it's just kind of natural, right? Like w- yeah. all of us, there's hunting is in all of us, you
1: know? So, so Col- Colin here is a, an adult onset hunter. Oh, um, right
2: on man. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, <laughs> um, I I'm curious, like Colin, what moment was it like, aha, where you're like, I, I want to do it
3: um well for for you josh and for anybody else who is listening and and isn't aware the first time i went like really hunting was uh i think i was 22 about seven years ago when i was in alaska and i went out on a rabbit hunt in kodiak with some friends when i was uh on patrol up there and uh that was kind of like yeah this is pretty fun like i've always kind of wanted to try it i've always like wanted to try different types of meat and everything and then um I was talking to my dad about it, and then he mentioned that my cousin, who lives in Colorado, is really into like backcountry hunting, like going for miles and stay there all day, and uh, he'll go for mule deer, he'll go for elk. Uh, so I reached out to him and said, "Hey man, what do you think about me uh, coming up and doing a hunt?" And the first time I went out there, we didn't get anything, but uh, that's what really you know, set it in for me was that uh, you know, this is a lot of, I mean, this is so much fun. It's a great adventure. Yeah, if I come away with nothing, I still had a great time. You know, I'm not not really upset about coming away with nothing, so it's still fun. That's uh, awesome. And, and then when I moved down to Key West and uh, linked up with Justin, then we just kept going after it, and that's where I got where I am now. But that's basically the gist of it, yeah.
2: That's cool, man. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome.
1: That's perfect. Um,
2: yeah. It's a good segue
1: into uh, into some questions. Uh, for josh so <laughs> uh that works so with colin's one of colin's uh first hunts being rabbit uh i guess what what was your one of your first hunts and then what what's your favorite now uh as an adult to go after
2: uh my so like first time i ever went hunting or the first time uh l- like the first time i was ever on a hunting trip or the first time i was actually hunting
1: first time you were actually hunting
2: yeah yeah so it was probably uh it was probably something like dove or quail or something like that i can't remember too much but the first big game hunt that i was on that i actually did was a was a coos deer um hunt here in arizona um and that was i I just i just remember feeling so so cool walking around with a rifle (laughs) 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 i i remember sitting there and i was i was like enamored just by looking at it, you Mm -hmm. know, like, like the deer and everything was almost secondary and it was just like this thing of beauty that was sitting in my lap. Um, but since then, so I still absolutely love hunting coos deer feel super blessed to be able to hunt those, that species of deer that we have in Arizona. It's unique to our state a little bit in New Mexico and and then in Mexico too, but people come from all around the country to hunt those deer here. Um, but for me personally, like uh, my absolute favorite, if I had to hunt like one animal the rest of my life, it would probably be black bears.
4: Really, that's yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on that?
2: Oh yeah, sure. Um, so uh, growing up, uh, you know, I, I mentioned I always did deer hunts with my dad and stuff, which was which was great. I have a lot of fond memories from that. But we never really um, explored I- I- other species right mm. um so when i was when i decided that i was gonna like really like dive into hunting uh i mean just i mean to be frank black bears sounded like the wildest thing i could do right <laughs> like, you know, so yep. a, a, as a lot of as a lot of young young men in their 20s gravitate towards i'm just gonna do the wildest stuff i could go do right <laughs> yeah. so um and i you know there was this thing i, I had never seen one before You know, it, it looked, it sounded so foreign to me, like, like the sight of a bear walking around in the country that I was hunting, but I knew they were there. So I went on my first bear hunt and I, and I kind of like accidentally stumbled my way into seeing one. Um, I never got a shot, but, but that like, it was so striking when he walked out in front of me, it was almost, you know, I remember, you know, watching him walk across the hill and he almost floated you know, like deer, deer have this, you know, they step, right. And then, and and then, and then they like, they bounce a little bit as they walk bears. It's almost like they're gliding and, and just like effortlessly through this ridiculous country. Um, and the scariest
4: thing is how quiet they are.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're so big and, but they can be, I mean, absolutely dead quiet. And, and, um, so seeing that, was that really hooked me and then so it took me a couple years to actually get one on the ground but that experience when i actually got one on the ground i was like this is my favorite thing to do um and it was really because of you know the adventure that came with the bear hunt i i mean the bear hunt itself was it was incredible as an emotional roller coaster but um packing that bear out that was an experience I'll never forget ever. I mean, I mean, we ended up, uh, you know, climbing bluffs out of this canyon with and just like frog leaping bear parts up to each other to get out of this canyon. Oh, wow. Now, if I knew what I knew now, I knew if I went oh if I went a hundred yards down this way, I, I wouldn't have to do that but, a at, <laughs> but at the time, at the, like at the time, we were like we didn't know what we were doing. We, we just had a, we had a big bear on our backs and we're trying to get up out of this Canyon and it's starting to get dark and we're like, well, let's just go straight up, you know? So, um, that whole experience, that feeling of getting back to the truck, man, and putting that bear in the cooler, um, that was, that just hooked me, you know, hook, line and sinker. So, um, uh, and then the meat the the meat is incredibly uh incredibly good. Uh one of the most underrated meats uh, there is in my opinion. So, yeah.
1: Would uh would you say it's like your favorite?
2: Um I say that for certain like recipes it is my favorite. Like I don't do um I'm not a ma- like I'll eat it but I'm not a massive fan of bear steak. Okay. Um but like for for stuff like tacos or you know stew um chili stuff like that. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to beat beat the bear or or burgers, just like straight up burgers. That's yeah, pretty hard to beat. I've, a bear. I've
1: had burgers. Yeah. Yeah, man. I it's got it's got a good flavor to it. Um I've never successfully harvested one myself, but I've I've had them um from friends who have and just like the meats man's magical. But also too it's like you said, even just the thought of like I'm out here bear hunting. I'm going yeah. bear hunting. I'm, you know, hunting for bears. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, the adventure side of it definitely appeals, like you
2: said. Well, I mean, and then the other thing that was probably, that probably had an influence on, like, the solidification of my love for bear hunting was we don't have, we're not, like, sitting on an absolute mountain of bears like mm-hmm. what there's just there's not bears crawling all over the place like say in like washington or oregon or something like that we just don't have the numbers here so seeing a bear is special you know like if i go out for a weekend and i see one bear i'm i'm pretty stoked oh yeah i've gone out and seen you know 15 in a day also but I know that like sometimes you might go five days and not even see something. And then all of a sudden on the sixth day, one's one's just going to like show himself and that right there, that like little positive reinforcement that I'd get from that, that just like keep me coming <laughs> back. <laughs> it's like, like I just want to keep reliving that experience. So, yeah.
4: Yeah. That's so it's awesome. little, little victories that help you push you through this season for sure. Absolutely,
2: man. Absolutely.
1: So out, outside of a uh, bear and coos deer hunting, what, what else, what other types of hunting do you do?
2: Um, I do, uh, quite a bit of, um, I I just really got into, uh, high country mule deer hunting last year, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I, some of the elk guys out there might, might try and hang me, but, uh, I I like that (laughs) better than elk hunting. If I'm being honest in September, um, I don't know if it's because, uh, you know, in Arizona, we do a lot of glassing, so it's just kind of more in our wheelhouse to like be sitting down and like looking through optics, and that's what high country mule deer hunting is. You're sitting there, mm-hmm. glass glass in big country, so um, it is that is definitely within my comfort zone. But you know, on top of that, though, the 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 country that they're living in is just so awe-inspiring. Um, at that time of year, it's I mean everything looks like a painting. You know, every every direction you turn is like i'm inside of a magazine right now you know like that's how that's how it feels um and they're just i mean just, uh, they're like a big velvet meal deer dude like just like watching them it's, do their it's thing
1: still it's it's crazy to think like to picture you know because growing up uh In Oklahoma and a lot of places I hunt, by the time you're like, you're chasing deer with rifle and stuff, it's like all the velvets off and Mm -hmm. even looking like archery season open down here in Florida at the beginning of this month. And it's like, guys are pulling velvet deer out of the, you know, out of places. And I'm just like, this is insane.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely awesome. I and mean, it's all, you know, it's like mostly back country stuff. Cause you're hiking it. You got to hike above tree line to get to where they are and stuff. So that, that whole thing for me, that was just like really appealing. And uh, I actually had two hunts last year. I drew Utah and Colorado. Um, I think I had like, goodness gracious, I felt so bad for my wife. I think I had like 19 ba- days of back country hunting, uh, within like a month. Oh, wow. Uh, so, like, a month.
4: so you're yeah. making me feel better. So that's, good.
0: <laughs>
2: that's a good. That's a good month for sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, definitely, uh, grateful. I have a very understanding wife. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So that man, dude, that was just really gratifying. And then like after all that, so Utah, um, you know, I missed a deer probably six times, uh, that's a, Oh my God. That was, that was a stress test. Um, but then when I came back, um, and I went to Colorado on the sixth day, I finally, I shot a buck. So like at that point I was 12 days into backpack hunting for meal deer. So like sealing the deal like that after all that time, just grinding through that gnarly mm-hmm. country, that was just really awesome, man. Just being able to put a, put a, put a, a ribbon on it, you know, that's awesome yeah
4: yeah you got to do the same thing right a hundred times and it's that hundred and first time it pays off
2: yeah absolutely Keep pushing absolutely. through it, you know uh what is that was it the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, over and over again, again. expecting different results yep. yep. that's that is uh bow hunting in my yeah. opinion you know like,
4: 100 no. because a lot of seasons like you're saying you do that and you get nothing and you'll have an off you know off two trips <laughs> off three trips and then the next trip out Two hours in, you're like, is this even happening? Is this yeah. right in front of me right now? Yeah. And that's the magical thing. It's that question and answer when you go into the woods, what am I going to see?
1: When, yeah. when, when all the variables just sort of line up perfectly and are completely 90% of the variables are out of your control. It's just like, yeah. Whoa, well, that was awesome.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, it totally is. It's, it's, a, it's a head trip for sure. I remember one year um, I was having a real tough time with the Bears uh, we were, we sat for days, not seeing anything. I remember being up on, t- on a cliff. I was on the phone with my wife and I was like, ah, oh, you know, only got like an hour left. I think I'm going to come back next weekend. I hung up the phone and then five minutes later I called her back and said, bear down. Oh, wow. You know, you know it was just like, and that, so that, and that was the first bear we saw in three days, I think, you know, it's just like all of a sudden, like, like you were saying, like it just changes in a second.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you then- go for it. You go from feeling like dirt to just feeling like a million bucks. Yeah. Every animal's dead. Nothing is alive in these woods. Nothing is alive in these hills. And then all of a sudden out of the ether, it just appears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The mother nature's like, here you go. Yeah. You, you put your time in. I was waiting you out. If you left, yeah. if you were looking at your watch, you said 15 more minutes and I'm out of here. But you yep. stayed. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yep.
1: So what? Uh, what's your fall looking like? Oh, uh,
2: man. Big trips? Yeah. Um, so this fall is a little, I'm trying to spread things out a little more. Cause actually my wife and I just had our first child in June.
1: I, I saw congratulations, man.
2: Thank you. That, that was, what an, what an incredible experience. One, a, a good friend of mine, you know, he's got a couple kids. He was telling me before, before, you know, we had our daughter, he was like, the, the one thing I can tell you is just hold on. Cause it's a wild ride. <laughs> and, like, <Yeah. laughs> and and I'm telling like, that is the, the most spot on way I could put it. But anyway, so, you know, she's, she was born June 15th. So kind of close We're you know, she's, she's two months old right now, just over two months. Um, so I couldn't like last year I went to, I went to Utah for like eight days, came home for a day, then went bear hunting for four days, came home for like four days, and then went to Colorado for 10 days little much for my wife this year for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Next, yeah, next yeah. year, next year we'll probably look something more like that, but this year what I'm doing, um, so I'm going, uh, I'm actually leaving in two days to go on a fall bear hunt, uh, for four days and then I'll come back and I'm home for like five days. And then I go back to Colorado. Uh, I drew a, uh, another high country mule deer tag up there. So I'll be there for 10 days. And I also have an archery black bear tag in my pocket for that. Um, and then October, I am, uh, uh, I'll am i be going to Idaho, uh, just kind of like helping out. I'm photographing a hunt up there in Idaho for elk. And then uh, November, I actually got lucky. I drew a late archery bull tag here in Arizona. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, pretty cool. It's uh, I, I feel like that's a really underrated opportunity here. Um, everybody wants, you know, we romanticize about September, you know, bugling bulls and stuff like that. And it's really fun. It's a great thing. But... Uh, you can, I mean, you might wait for certain units. You, you're going to wait 20 plus years to hunt those in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get into some of those units in November, the late archery bull hunt for, you know, point just mere points, you know, you know like for, for me, uh, as a resident four like three or four points, I guess a hundred percent draw. So wow. Yeah. Mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Meaning that I could draw it with, with zero to no points or, or sorry, zero or one point fairly easy. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, so instead of bugling, it's just a spot and stalk thing. You know, you, you're sitting up high glass and bulls bedding them down and stalking them. You just you're hunting them like mule deer. Um, and my brother drew the same tag. So that's going to be actually the first time my brother and I actually hunt elk together at the same time. It's normally like he has a tag or I have a tag, (laughs) like, and one guy's a camera guy, but, um, yeah,
4: that, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I, I noticed that on a lot of your YouTube with you and your brother. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, um, definitely grateful to have a little brother to actually get along with because I know a lot of people. I mean, they tell me because they see just like you, they're like, "Oh, they see me out there with my brother and stuff like that," and they're like, "Man, I wish my brother hunted with me," you know. And or and it's either they don't get along or the brother's right. not into hunting. Um, and our dad, that's that's our dad, man. You know, he that's how he brought us up. You know, my yeah. my little my little brother when he was. When he was like three, four years old, that dude, instead of having like G.I. Joe's and, and like X Men figures, he was playing with Hunter Dan from Cabela's. <laughs> yep. He Still like, he name, had, I like him. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like he had like I remember he had like this little toy tree stand set up on his dresser and like he, he like set the little action <laughs> figure on there with a bow and stuff. And, like yeah. that that's how he grew up. So yeah.
4: Oh, no, that's awesome!
3: It comes very... with, come with a little toy deer too. Oh yeah, him. well
2: yeah. The, what's what's interesting about that is the toy deer that it came with was like thirty times the size of the hunter. So like, <laughs> the it's like it's like a giant animal, you know. Like,
1: so <laughs> Scabello's trying to. Put that image in the head, giant deer oh, everywhere. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should be fun, man. We're gonna we're gonna probably be out there for ten days or so hunting elk in, in Arizona, and um, and then after that, I mean, I uh, you know I'll be looking forward to January. That's when uh, our archery deer seasons uh, start up here in Arizona. For uh, you can hunt either coos deer or mule deer on the same tag. So, no, oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah,
1: man, that's a uh, yeah, that's a packed year, especially with a, a newborn too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it'll it'll be interesting for sure. <laughs>
1: That's what uh mine so we just had uh my second uh second child, my son, he was born in March, so he he'll be six months next month. And uh nice, dude. I'm already like whitt- I had plans laid out sort of starting last year and I'm already kinda like whittling stuff down and I'm like, well, you know, that and of course COVID's not helping, so yeah um but anyway, it's, it's, uh, those things, you know what though, man, uh, your friend was 100% right. It's like a wild ride. It's new things every day. And it's, it's awesome.
2: No. Yeah, it, it is. Like, I'm like, I've never been more tired in my life, but I'm happy about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like time has become so, uh, so precious now. It's like when I have, you know, Oh, I, you know, my wife tells me I, you got an hour to go upstairs and write. Like I had that, that means 60 minutes, not 75 minutes. Yep. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean? It, instead of, instead of before it was like, ah, I just be up here for like seven hours or whatever. just like, <laughs> right. You know? Um, so it's, I mean, on a good, on a positive note, it's like forced me to be more productive with my time, you know? So
1: time management, man, that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so looking at, uh, at your blog, in Hunter, and, and we, t- we touched a little bit about sort of how you started it and it originated. And, um, like most of your topics and writing, focusing on getting in the, into the back country and stuff, like what, I guess what swayed you that direction versus, you know, any other styles of hunting or, or anything else that, that may have interest you within the hunting world?
2: Um, so, yeah i am you know just like inherently a a very extreme person when it comes to like the pat the things i'm passionate about like i like i get into something i get like really really into it i'm the dude that like you know i i buy a camera i'm gonna watch you know 30 videos on that camera and like learn all the ins and outs of it and like how do i how do i do this with it how do i do that with it you know and just i just like want to learn everything about it um like with bear hunting i was like i was a dude like reading bear biology reports and stuff because i wanted to know truly about those animals right um so with backpack hunting uh for me it was like the next level in hunting it, it like it sounded like the absolute ultimate adventure but before i i started doing it though I, I mean quite honestly i i remember telling myself i'm never gonna do that because it sounded so like why would somebody do that? I, but it was, you know, is my in my ignorance, right? Like I was like, because you you know you grow up used to like packing the whole back of the truck to go camping, mm-hmm. right? So you think about that and you're like, how in the world am I going to get all that stuff into a backpack, and then bring that back into the mountains? And then oh, if I shoot something, I got to put that in there too. <laughs> you
4: know, like so More- like. The more uncomfortable you can be with, uh, or the more comfortable you can be with being uncomfortable, the more comfortable you'll get. Yeah. So, uh, it's slimmed down.
2: That's the one yeah so uh, but I you know I just didn't know about the whole backcountry world but so after you know looking into it and you know like talking to some people and reading some stuff here and there I was like, you know what I, I feel like uh, you know maybe I want to try this out and I and I looked at um, I looked at backpacking as a way uh, to kind of include my wife and the things that I do because I was like, oh if we get into backpacking I, that means I can take her and we can go on backpacking trips, but maybe I'll have a pair of binoculars with me. Mm. You know what I mean? So just like including my wife in that stuff. Cause she loves being out there too. Um, and then she's like, she's not going to come hunting with me. So I was like, Oh, maybe I can include her in scouting trips. Right. So that's what we did. Um, and then I remember, so the first backpack hunt I ever did, it was with my brother. We backpacked in uh, a couple miles into this, uh, basin for coos deer and, um, Ah, goodness gracious. I probably had a 65, 70 pound pack on, you know, going in there and, uh, you know, way too much stuff immediately as I start hiking, I'm like, how do I make this thing lighter? You know, (laughs) so, so, uh, long story short, man, we went back in there, had an incredible time. And the first, the first morning I woke up is what really, really like, uh, that was it for me. I opened the tent and I looked out and like the sun's coming up. You know over the horizon there's snow capped mountains around me there's a rutting coos deer in the basin right behind me we're camped like 100 yards from our glassing spot and i'm like this i need more of this in my life you know and that you know and then leaving that hunt you know we we had some close calls on that never never filled a tag but then on the way back to the truck i remember you know I went from feeling so inadequate and so unprepared mentally in the beginning to being much more comfortable and, and and actually driven to do it again when I was heading back to the truck because I felt so accomplished you know like I was like you know, like I look back on that it's like hell yeah I did that you know, like, like that's, that's, it's so far removed from normal life in the city. You're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Let me go, let me go just hike random mountain to the mountains and go sleep out there with the mountain lions and stuff. Like your mind plays a bunch of tricks with you. You question your sanity sometimes, oh, like yeah. why, why am I putting myself through this stuff? But then when you're heading back to the truck, you just feel, you just feel like whether I have something in my backpack or not. I'm like, I can't wait to do that again.
3: I mean, that's exactly what hooked me, exactly what you're talking about is even though you're coming back with nothing, you still do the adventure and, you know, you still want to do it again, partly because, well, next time you want to try and get it for sure, like, oh, next time I'll, I'll get a deer, but also like, even if I don't, I still get to do this, you know, my time off.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, the, it's the full package, you know, yeah. it, it, it's suddenly, you know, not, and, and, you know, by all means, like, I do quite a bit of truck hunting, you know, like, just mm-hmm. like, camping at the truck um i'm that's actually what i'm doing in a couple days i'm gonna go out with some buddies and we're gonna hang out you know and have a good time together um and then and we're gonna hunt out from camp right but like there is something different about relying on what only what is in your backpack and your knowledge and just like going out there it's a it's the it's a different level
4: oh yeah you know and it, and it
2: it suddenly becomes more than the hunt it's 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 more of it it's an experience
4: yeah and if you get out you know you're out by yourself in the woods somewhere around day three stuff definitely gets fuzzy i can resonate with what you're saying there about oh yeah <laughs> yeah you're waking up you're in the woods you're hearing things you're like ah, know, is that real can i even see that right now is that happening
1: i just oh, yeah. I, I i'm always hungry like oh yeah. After after like a day or two into it, I'm just like, I wanna eat. <laughs> right? And all I can think about is food and, and whatever food I have is not what
2: I want. So Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you find yourself like eating out of boredom.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that, that actually pushes you through the day. You gotta have a little snacks packed just to keep you motivated, keep you sitting or keep you walking. Like, sure, well, sure. It's
1: time for breakfast and then <laughs> maybe I'll make some coffee and yeah. you, oh, yeah. you know, then a couple hours after that bar and then maybe lunch
4: yep <laughs> if i get up yep. to that next bench i can have more beef jerky yeah yeah I get up
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta give yourself rewards <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no uh i'm telling you uh so i spent uh it wasn't even a backcountry hunt i it was just a i drew an early archery bull hunt here in arizona a couple years back and, and i hunted for like 15 days straight and uh i i'm uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't shed a tear at the breakfast burrito I ate when I got in town. After that, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, what, dude, like it was, it was so glorious, man. I just after eating, you know, trail mix, in freeze bars. dried, yeah, freaking bars, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
1: What's your uh, What's your favorite trail snack?
2: Oh man, I got a few. So, um, I think you need to have like a balance, right? Like, like there, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really easy to to pack all sweet stuff Mm -hmm. you know what like cliff bars are sweet like you know gummy bears are sweet all the protein bars out there they're sweet right yeah um so a couple so i love um i love like heather's choice pack those are those are fantastic it's like a coconut shredded coconut cookie I've, i've heard a lot about them i haven't tried them yet they're really good man um And then, so on top of some of that sweet stuff, of course, like, like, in my opinion, there is no greater glassing snack than gummy bears. Okay. (laughs) But, but, uh, aside from the sweet stuff though, man, like having like maybe like some beef jerky or something, I, I feel like that really rounds out the meat, your, your food. You know, cause you have like the sweet stuff then you got salty, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, beef jerky, uh, man, what else? Uh, I, am a coffee guy. I gotta have a love coffee out there. Just sitting there having a hot cup of coffee.
1: So you, do you go like regular ground or you, do you do instant?
2: I do. Uh, so I do both. I use, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the company dark timber. Okay. Um, they make, uh, yeah, dude, dark timber coffee company. Check them out, man. That's like literally the best cup of coffee you're, you'll have out there um so that so they make they make a grab what's called a gravity pack which is a port which is a basically a backcountry pour over system okay um so you're getting like a legit cup of coffee like this dude this dude the, the owner tony when he was like i think he was like eight or nine years old he had his first espresso and he was like that's what i'm doing with my life like like, like, all right yeah he no he's he like he travels overseas to like source his coffee beans and stuff like that like he's a he's a nerd man he's he's really passionate about coffee so anyways uh that's really good and then they also have a a, an instant which is like a mocha um like a mountain mocha type of deal and that's just like you know Mm -hmm. pour it in the water and stir it up and that's really good too so that that's what's in my in my pack all the time
1: that's awesome. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm, uh, I, I had the, uh, the French press on the Jetboil. boil oh, and that yeah. That'd been my go-to. And then, then this year, uh, I stumbled onto, uh, I, I started looking at instant packs last year cause you know, it, this sort of changed and I think as technology and packaging evolved, like you started mm-hmm. Starbucks sort of led the charge and then you get other little coffee brands hopping in. Yep. Um, so I've spent the year kind of, trialing um different instant coffees to see which one i like best and i'm gonna have to try it try dark timbers but uh i have yeah, settled on um black rifle copy company they're uh oh, cool Their are little instant packs um i've actually i got some and i took them to work to try and i'm just been <laughs> like blowing through them and i was like well yeah. i guess i'm gonna have to order some more so i mean it's, it's super easy because you just throw it in hot water or whatever yep, yep. and just uh right. yeah Yeah, that's awesome, man. I still got another month till I'm gonna need them, so uh, I'll probably order some of those those from Dark Timber and give them a go too and see. Yeah, do yeah, try it
4: out, man. Nice. I I like the vias only because they work with cold water too. Oh
2: yeah, dude. I was a via guy. Uh, Oh dude, I'm telling you what, like I was a via guy for years, and it and it got the job done. Yeah. And what Mm -hmm. what you know the thing I appreciated about the via is I could stir it with the package. Yep. And when,
4: um, and when you start with When you start with it in your oatmeal already And you're getting both things taken care of right away it just There you go dissipates that, perfectly. That
1: oh, no, man. I have to draw a line there Savage,
2: <laughs> absolute savage That's efficiency <laughs>
4: <laughs> When I'm hunting it's like being on a job site When I'm working construction It is wartime I do not yeah. care It's like yeah. I gotta get calories and food in me and I'm gonna go I'm thinking about go. the good meals when I get back
2: That's it man, that's it That's fair
3: Here at
1: Harvest in Nature, we're known to cook a variety of wild fish and game in a variety of ways. Probably one of my favorite methods is to cook in a smoker. Traeger Grills has some of the best products out there. Their pellet grills aren't just grills. They're smokers and ovens too. Anything you can do in the oven in your house, you can do on the Traeger. You can make desserts, you can grill steaks, you can use cast iron pans and braise tough cuts. You can allow roasts and briskets to smoke all day until they're tender and delicious. You can even use it to make jerky. Their variety of pellets are also very impressive. The different flavors of wood allow you to pair with your meat or fish or vegetables and give it the most flavor that you can create. They even have varieties created specifically for your next wild fish or game meal. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book, man. Um, oh, sure yeah i mean we, we've been touching on i'm sure a lot of the the subjects that led up to it or that are within it so it's it's very fitting right now um so researching and compiling how long did it take you
2: Uh, well, I mean, technically like researching, if you want to call it, that is just my experience. (laughs) That's just
1: quote unquote.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's just my experience, you know, just like year, the years of, you know, spending time backpack hunting and stuff like that. But, um, as far as like the actual process of writing the book goes, though, I, I spent a year and a half on it. Um, and, uh, man, dude, like as a, as a freelance guy, that's like. You know you, you, it was hard to balance it out you know like like writing articles for people um you know to keep like you know to keep my like my lights on um and then you know doing this other thing that wasn't like that that was quote unquote free at the time right it was just like you mm-hmm. so um but but after a year and a half you know it all came together and uh you know there were times throughout that time where I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. That's a, it's a long time, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, ha- it's done. Um, I'm stoked on it. Like I've gotten nothing but great feedback on it. Really humbling to hear people, um, you know, message me and, and say like, you know, I'm going on my first backpack hunt this year and, and your book, you know, gave me the confidence to do that. Um, so yeah, so I look at that and I'm like mission accomplished. I I didn't write this book like anybody that picks it up, it is not a book about me talking about how awesome I am. Like that that that, is, that was not my goal with the book. I I just wanted to like write something like a from a from front to back look at backpack hunting from you don't even know if you want a backpack hunt all the way to when you're packing an animal out back to the truck, like everything in between that all the stupid questions, the quote unquote, stupid questions that beginners have, like, I I talk about that. Okay. You know, because I think that something that that's pretty common is like, so my perspective on it is, you know, I say in the book, I'm not an expert. Okay. I get to do it a lot, but I think because I'm not an expert, I have a unique perspective on it because I was there where you are, that person that is just starting. I was there, you know, I I remember what that felt like, but Mm -hmm. people that, you know, you know, I was talking to somebody not long ago. He's like, Oh yeah, I've been backpack hunting for 30 years. And he's like, you know, we talked about my book and stuff like that. And he was like, "I I think a lot of what you're saying, I mean, I just grew complacent with it. You know, sure. a lot, a lot of that stuff that beginners like need to know. It's like, okay, well, how do you do this? So this is, this is, this is what I do. Well, why? I don't know. That's just what I do. That's just how I do it. So like, that was kind of my thing. I wanted to just like really lay everything out, make it very comprehensive. Um, and, uh, just like basically lay a roadmap so somebody could read it and then go do their first backpack hunt.
4: Nice.
1: So what if you... If you had to, without divulging too much, if you had to give a couple of the biggest takeaways from the book for, uh, for the listeners, what, what would you say they would be?
2: It's, uh, so the gear section alone in that thing is huge. Um, I talk a lot about gear, which is, uh, I think to be expected because that is what people want to know the most about. Like the, like the gear thing, like we are, all of us these days we are gear nerds oh yeah okay like it doesn't matter if it's camera equipment hunting stuff like we love gadgets um so uh i talk a lot about gear so that's really valuable um i i break it down in a way that in my opinion doesn't come across as you know you need to buy this brand You know, I kind of look at it in a generalized way and just kind of give you some basic things, like as you know, as far as like a backpack goes. Okay, well, how big of a backpack do you get? Right. You know, like just stuff like that to just kind of help you buy your own. You make your own decision at what company you want to buy a backpack from. I don't care, but like keep these things in mind. And then, you know, the other thing, I mean, that I've been hearing from people, uh, is the perspective of it. It, it it's the honesty that's behind it, you know. People are like, like I, I've had people like, thank you so much for like talking about this. Like I talk about like being the penis, being is, being as afraid, you know, like stuff like that. You know, like that's real. You know, mm-hmm. like going especially especially you're going out there alone, yeah. dude. Like I like I remember the first time, um, you know, backpacking into an area alone for black bear. Of course, yeah. um, you know, oh, dude, I'm back there all sorts. I tried to talk myself out of that trip so many times. I was like, I was looking at the weather, almost like willing bad weather to come in <laughs> to, to be like, to be like, well, yeah, I, you know, honey, I think I'm going to, I'm going to hold off. You know, there's a big thunderstorm coming in. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I yeah. remember, I remember on my way in to the spot, like into camp and I, I lost the trail. And I was like, ugh, might have to turn around, you know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> Instead of like, I, you know, and then like I couldn't find water and it was just like one thing after another. But then I'm like, you know what? Like, like, you know how to do this, like stick with it. And it all ended up being fine. And it was like a life changing experience doing that. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's one of the other big takeaways of the book, man, is like, is just like, you know, um, just the, my perspective on it. And, and, you know, I, I try not to fluff it up. You know just be honest about the experience
1: that's good I, I was reading a lot of the reviews they um, look on Amazon and you everybody's super happy so yeah um, it's pretty cool it's it's good I, so uh outside of I just obviously mentioned Amazon to give that, that hint away, but where, uh, where else can people get it <laughs> from?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, that's, that's it, man. Uh, so, so the unique thing about that book, Amazon is actually the one that prints it. So, okay. so all you got to do is like go on Amazon search, becoming a backpack hunter or, you know, Josh Kirschner becoming a backpack hunter or whatever, and it'll pop up and you can get it in both uh, paperback and Kindle formats. Nice right, so. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's where you get it, man.
1: <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll throw the link in the show notes. So, uh, I appreciate that. Definitely, definitely be readily available. And, uh, I encourage everyone to get a copy. So it'll be good, but let's talk a little bit of wild game stuff. Cause that's also the other reason why we all love being out hunting so much is, is the eating part of it. Heck yeah. Uh, the end result, as they say, um, and Josh, like, uh, like we were talking before, you wrote you wrote a couple articles way back in the day for Harvest in Nature, and one of those articles was a black uh, barbecue black bear recipe. Um, oh yeah, and I remember it still to this day so much because one of the photos was like uh, with the like pulled pulled meat, but use those like kind of plastic bear claw things, and that yeah. image <laughs> is always stuck in my head because I was <laughs> like, how. How ironic is like pulling the pulling the bear with the bear claws. I um, I, I still use so, those,
2: man. That was
4: <laughs> a Christmas gift for like two legit. years straight. Yeah. 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 It's
2: classic, <laughs> classic. Um
1: it's a uh, yeah, super super good recipe. And I like the use of your your hatch green chili in it. Um because I don't think that's something you always see in like some of your uh barbecue pork recipes not yours but just in general and people's
2: yeah uh, i i uh you know one i did another one um so one year for christmas we had a bunch of people over and uh i always like every when you come over my house around christmas time like we have like a party um every protein you find in the kitchen is all wild game it's black bear venison elk everything and so you know it's like people come over and they get to try all this stuff out and the thing that there was absolutely no leftovers was uh, leftovers of was the green chili black bear Ooh. It, and it was and it wasn't the barbecue it, i didn't do the barbecue thing so what i did with that one was more of like a you know garlic and and uh, more of like a taco like a street taco type of deal mm-hmm. um dude, that thing was cleaned out. Like I was like, dis- I was, like, man, I don't even have any freaking leftovers, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so yeah, that turned out great.
1: Well, what would you say is one of your, your favorite game? Not necessarily bear meat, but, um, favorite recipes.
2: Um, so I'm a big, a uh, dude, I'm a big fan of, uh, it just like taking a, like a roast, like mm-hmm. venison roast or elk roast or something like that. Uh, coating it is yeah, just real, real straightforward, like coat it in olive oil, uh, kosher salt, black pepper, maybe throw some garlic powder on there, sear it in a cast iron skillet on all sides, and then throw that into an oven, you know, at like 350 for. it depends on how, you know, heavy, you know, big the roast is, but you know, mm-hmm. anywhere from 20 minutes to 30 minutes, whatever pull that thing when it's medium rare you know and let it and let it rest or right before it's medium rare and let it rest and then you just cut these like beautiful looking steaks off of that that is absolutely money like great dinner and then you throw that in the fridge and you got like venison sandwiches for like a whole week dude like that's awesome that's awesome so yeah i'm a simple guy man I, i don't get too too uh too fancy it's fancy in the kitchen i'm a i'm a steaks and burgers and potatoes and greens type of dude
1: (laughs) hey man that's that's awesome that's uh i i think i'm all over the place some days i want to eat super (laughs) gourmet and some days i'm like there's a flatbread and some ground venison and cheese
4: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i hear you man i definitely fall more on the cook line than the chef line
1: yeah 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 i think there's a time and a place for it but um most of the time it's it's cooking cooking to eat and then You know i think throughout my week i'll end up a couple couple chefy nights where i'm trying to get more creative and you know i think everybody out there and in social media land probably only sees like a quarter of what actually comes out of the kitchen and and a lot of it's just like like you said meat potatoes roast sandwiches tacos we eat tacos man so much here oh Um, yeah me too man i i i love tacos that's a matter of fact we had tacos for dinner tonight so um <laughs> I, I
2: i uh i had tacos last night okay so yeah. i mean there's never taco tuesdays nope tacos every day Yeah, that's, that's right that's yeah. kind of what i say <laughs>
1: but so. even to and then living on the fancy side it's like you know you, you cook the stuff and it's like it'll maybe a couple hours like after i've written the recipe and cooked the food and taking the photos and all that other stuff. And my family's like, can we eat now? (laughs) Right. right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Dude, uh,
2: the fan dude, the fanciest thing I did was, uh, so aside from like, you know, making like a holiday roast, like a, like an actual roast, you know what I mean? Um, is I made a blade roast in the crock pot. Mm hmm. And you know, just like simple potatoes and carrots and you know uh, stuff like that. That was like the fanciest thing I've made. (laughs) Like just like you, dude. Hey man. It was delicious. That's like a classic. That's a classic dish. Yeah, man. If you wanna,
4: if you wanna elevate that fancy with leftovers, and you can take a wicked good shortcut on this and just go get some pre-made pie crust. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, you can take that leftover fill in there and just make yourself some hand pies out of that out of this world little potatoes oh, little carrots some of that shredded meat
2: that sounds incredible yeah I Now mean, i was oh. thinking even
1: just like uh like a pot pie too sure that that's why when you went down that road i was like he's gonna say pot pie.
4: no i'm thinking hunting food so you can make them and you wrap them up in parchment paper and then go right in the bag it's gonna be like first day food or you need that right away but that's, that's one of my great. seasonal things i'll make a big thing of venison stew like i'll hide a shank so I can make just enough stew to make those. My wife makes them for me actually, but um, little <laughs> hand pies. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
2: I love that.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah. That is a cool tradition. Um what was I was I was reading something somewhere on social media. It was somebody's like they were posting about deer hunting snacks and like tree stand snacks, yeah. and somebody was taking like pizza rolls and putting them in their Yeti. <laughs> and I was like Oh my goodness. What a great idea. Um, <laughs> Makes me think of the same.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's, we do, we do hand pies and then I usually butcher, I keep one pig the longest I can, um, in the fall to get as big as it can. I take one of those hams and I make a big batch of bear bacon jerky. Oh, nice. It, yeah. So basically it's just a ton of brown sugar and salt. It's a simple brine and then, uh, dehydrate it and then a bunch of coarse black pepper on it and stuff's out of this world.
3: Nice, man.
1: That sounds delicious. That does sound great. But, Dan, while, you, while you're while you rolling, man, uh, we featured your venison tongue sushi, which sounds out of this world. And it. you can watch the the short film of the preparation on that. But I, I want you to put some context to the film, man. <laughs> like, they, get a lot of questions. It, it's a very attention getter. I mean, so first off, people aren't eating venison tongues that often. And yeah. second off, I don't know of anybody who would think to put them on sushi, other than you, which is awesome, though.
3: Yeah, I that... I meat on sushi maybe one time, and it was like a fillet, some gourmet roll or something like that. So yeah,
1: I think yeah. I remember the time that you had meat on sushi, but I don't know if you remember it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you <had> it. <laughs> um,
3: I don't recall this.
1: It was in it was in Yorktown, but. <laughs>
4: So would you like the small Soparo or the large saparo I'll take the large one. I don't want to insult her. She was so nice. Also, I
1: think you also learned to speak some Korean that day too.
4: Yeah. So um, uh, I, I love, like we're talking about, um, I really, really fell in love with Mexican food and Mexican cuisine when I met my wife. I actually met my wife in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And growing up in New England, um, we only have – one kind of Mexican food and that's bad Mexican food. So, um, (laughs) when you would hear the word tacos, all you'd think is Taco Bell or cafeteria food. And it's just, you know, we were first down there and we were hanging out and I was getting a lay of the lens. Like, you know, do you want to go grab some tacos somewhere? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. It's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I don't really want anything heavy or greasy. She's like, yeah. Okay. Come with me. So we went to this spot and it's like, what are those? Those are corn tortillas. What's a corn tortilla? I've only seen these fried and, you know, there's somebody there and they're making fresh made corn tortillas. And then it's just like, there was a giant menu board in front of me and it's, you got, you know, Mariscos, you got all your fish tacos and then you got every cut of pig and cow known to man on the board. And every taco is like a dollar 25. Whoa. So you just like roll up and you're like, okay, what is that? And like, Cabeza, you're like, yep, I'll take some head. And what is that? Langua, okay, tongue's good. Um, yeah, and you tripitas, and you just work your way down. And all of a sudden, you got this plate full of awesome, beautiful mystery meat, which I grew up eating anyways, being Italian. We didn't let anything go to waste. If you, <laughs> if you filleted a fish in front of my grandfather, it was sacrilege. It's like, what are you doing? That's all the oh, good stuff. Man. Yeah, everything got cooked whole. <laughs> but anyways, so we're there, and we're at the taqueria, and it's just like – I got a giant plate full of all these beautiful tacos on fresh made corn tortillas. And it's just cilantro, white onions, and then a salsa bar. And you get like a 22 ounce staccate for like 25 or $2 and 25 cents. And you're like, all right. So I spent $10 and I'm eating the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And that was like, from there it was all over. And then we were hanging out with her family and stuff. And, um, her dad made, I first time I ever had like real ceviche Mm -hmm. and it was just like, I remember I was eating so much, but he looked at me, he's like, you don't have to be polite. I'm like, I'm not. If you don't stop me, I will eat an entire (laughs) bowl. Because I just never had that kind of fresh, you know, that fresh. And it was the same. It was funny because it was the same thing with Italian food. There is no good Italian food in New Mexico. Sorry, I said it. So I made some Italian food. They made some Mexican food. It was like, you know, both green, white, and red flags met right in the middle. And we were sharing all this different food that nobody had. And it it was magical. And that definitely set me down that road. I believe
2: you, man. I, uh, you know, I, from, uh, you know, I lived in New York. My dad lived in New York for a long time. Uh, that's Italian food. You know, yeah. They can make some great Italian oh, yeah. food over there, but yep. not out here. <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> if you would even mention going out, you'd be like written off in the family of my grandmother getting mad at you for a very long time. You would go out for italian food why would you do that i don't know i'm sorry i was confused for a minute yeah yeah, yeah. it's like to them i feel like what it, it's not
2: italian food it's food yeah
4: exactly Same thing. <laughs> like, that's, our <laughs> that's our joke with mexican food right it's like you have mexican today i'm like or just food but yes just food yeah <laughs> but to, to circle back to the whole tongue thing um i only had tongue a couple ways right so you have lengua tacos and it's shredded and it's cooked down to like nothing And then I've had it the Italian way, which is pretty much, it's not exactly corned, but it's set up and sliced. Hmm. And you have it on sandwiches. So it was like, all right, I I happen to have a pile of tongues in the freezer. And one of my buddies called me up because he actually went half in on a beefalo. That's half steer, half buffalo hybrid in this area. So when, when he got his divvy, it came with a big tongue. And he was like, hey, his wife's like, what are we doing with this? She's like, I know a guy to call. So I got hooked up with a free Buffalo tongue and that's kind of like, what am I going to do with this thing? So I got pretty good at peeling tongues and there's like a thousand different ways people do them, right? Some people think you can almost roast them like a, like a Chile and put them on the grill and peel them that way. Some people like, no, you got to stick it in the freezer for four hours, take it out, put it in the oven, run it around the house, bring it back inside, (laughs) two blessings back in the freezer. But what it comes down to is, the best things I've found are the things that break down every tough cut, right? It's just time and heat and pressure. So I put them in a roasting pan with a elevated tray with a little liquid. Um, usually something good, a pilsner or a lager or something like that. It's not too harsh in flavor. And then I braise it in the oven just before it starts to get fall apart tender. And when you hit that point, you'll know you hit that point because the skin will start to separate. Hmm. And from there, yes, it goes right into an ice bath. And that hmm. shocks it, stops its cooking, and you can that's really when that outer layer of the tongue will kind of separate and bubble off. And then it's just going careful with a paring knife. To, the hardest point's the very tip of the tongue to get off. But the rest of it really does come off pretty easy. And I like it to be at that still tender enough, but got enough gur left in it that, you know, you're eating something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so what, I, what can I do besides tacos? Everybody does tacos. I'm like, I'm going to do sushi because I'm also a sushi fanatic.
2: All right, there you go.
4: So it was, <clears> you know, <throat> that's kind of the the thinking behind it was what do I got kicking around? What can I do with this? And I know something no one's ever done with a tongue that I know of is made sushi out of it. So yeah, that stuff was phenomenal. Um, I made the rolls, punch of veggies um, I had some jalapenos and avocado and carrots and all kinds of good stuff. I shredded in there, cucumbers deseeded. And then in the fridge I had marmalade and a couple other things. So I just made a really spicy orange reduction with soy sauce to go over the top. Mm. So kind of like an eel sauce is what I drizzled over it.
2: Nice. You're pushing boundaries, man. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I was, wow. It's always when it's just uh, grow up hungry up having to cook for yourself and just seeing what's in the house what you're doing yeah. not that my family didn't cook for me but you know everybody worked so you were home for hours after school or whatever by yourself and i i was afforded the luxury of growing up with a lot of really good cooks in my family and just being the helper in the kitchen i was the youngest one out of everybody so i was you know helping grandma and aunts and uncles and my dad and just got into it because i'm hungry all of my activities are based around food all of my hobbies are based on <laughs> food. It's like People are like, you raise animals? That's awesome. What do you do with them? Like, eat them, sell them, trade them. It's good for hunting spots, but it's just basically yeah. my free time is hunting, fishing, cooking, barbecuing, raising livestock because that's uh, that's the good stuff.
2: Yeah, you got to eat, man.
4: Yeah.
3: Yep. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, you said two things in there that – I have never heard before, and I doubt I will ever hear again. One was that you've got a pile of tongues in your freezer.
2: Yeah. Uh, that was fairly striking.
3: And the yeah. other one was, I got pretty good at peeling tongues. Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, I think
3: I'll ever hear those again unless it's on purpose. So I just want to point that out. So
4: <laughs> briefly, um, in order to get a proper meal out of whitetail tongues, you got to get a pile of them. So it's something yeah. you stash away, right? Um, I don't know. beef tongues are huge. Um, You can, you can go pretty long way with that, but I also butcher lambs and pigs. So I, I save everything. Right. So when you're butchering everything up all of a sudden short enough time, you're going to have a pile of tongues in your freezer.
3: Yep. (laughs) All
1: right. That's fair. Um, well, unfortunately gentlemen, where our time is ticking down, uh, I am enjoying the conversation very much. Um, but Josh, what's a good way people can connect with you?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm on all the social platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If, if they just search dialed in Hunter, um, they'll find me. I'm happy to, I try to answer all the private messages I get. Um, and then, uh, people can check out my website, www.dialedinhunter.com. And like I said earlier, like if you're in it, you want to try to get into backpack hunting, I, Really appreciate it if you picked up that book, checked it out. It's on Amazon search, becoming a backpack hunter and you'll find it.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, so before we, before we all go, um, I, I always like to do like a last round of like misfires or alibis or any last notes that you have. So, so actually I'll, I'll let, uh, I'll let Colin go ahead and lead it off and then and we'll rotate around after that.
3: I just wanted to say thanks to Josh for coming on the show. Uh, it was a great talk. I'm um, going out scouting this weekend, and uh, it's bear season here in Oregon, so if I uh, see one, I'll probably be heading out the next weekend try and find it again and hopefully take it home. Heck yeah. yeah. If that happens, then I'll definitely be looking up the recipes and everything, you know, trying uh, to great barbecue.
2: Awesome.
1: Thanks, Dan. Uh, last words?
4: No, this is great. Um, I, I really appreciate the fact of the the tact you're taking with your YouTube and with your writing in the book that – you're showing everything and you're showing people that, yeah, every time you go out, it's not pulling the trigger. And every time you go out, it's not all about the biggest rack. You can hang on your wall. It's about, you know, the full circle experience and the fact that you can show that and you're open with it is great. And it, it helps, it helps newer hunters get into it, not feel like, you know, what am I doing wrong? So I really appreciate that.
3: Thank you.
1: Cool. Uh, Josh, any last, last words for us?
2: Oh man. Uh, just, uh, super appreciate, uh, the chat, man. Like, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on and talking. If you guys ever want to talk again, just let me know. I'd, I'd be happy to come back on.
1: We'll do man. We'll have to catch up later, uh, after fall season and see, see how things went. Um, for sure.
2: Yeah. I want to hear how many more tongue recipes
4: are (laughs) Uh, (laughs) are already turning.
1: We're gonna have to get a count on those tongues in the freezer.
4: <laughs> I'm down to three right now. It's a sad state of affairs.
2: No, yeah, yeah. You're you're the tongue guy now, man.
4: <laughs>
2: you're, you're 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 the only man I've ever heard say I have a pile of tongues.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I support um, it. I do too. Right on
1: um well let's see i just want to josh thanks man for coming on and uh definitely awesome chat um we talked about a lot of stuff so which is good um i always enjoy a good conversation and i'm looking forward to diving more into your book i will admit i haven't dove into it as much as i'd like to but um i promise on my next our on our next chat i will so all right man (laughs) um but for everybody out there, thanks for listening. And as always, all the recipes and links we mentioned will be in the show notes. And also after you head over to check out Josh's Josh's social media, uh, go head over to Harvest in Nature too. Make sure you're following us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all the normal places. Pinterest too. Um Ooh. yeah, we're on there. It's crazy. There you go. Um, I, we hadn't been posting on there since like 2017 and then mm-hmm. I got on there and re-logged in and realized we have like 1500 people following us like on Pinterest. Nice. Time to turn like, that back on. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's back on. But, um, I was just surprised because I was like, man, this, I don't know. Um, Pinterest
2: is flying under the radar kind of. <laughs> yeah. It
1: must be. We're, we're right up there with, with mason jars and crafting. Yeah. So, See, there you go. <laughs> But um, also to uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, give us a review, let us know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. Thanks, and have a good night.